Welcome to West Virginia Commonplace. Today, today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Amy Banton. Amy Banton went to school with me um, during middle school years up until high school. Um, she is uh, one of few people. Um, there was a group of them. Um, not going to name last names. I want to say there was an Amy. There was two Kristens. There was a Christina. And then there was her her um, ultimate uh personality uh with her which was audrey and um and beverly too i'm sorry i forgot about her beverly don't hit me um th this group you know we went i went to school with these young ladies and they were eccentric they it was something about them they had like a, a vibe to them they were nice to everybody else uh around them never heard them say a harsh word they may have did that in the locker room or wherever but this group of young ladies they not necessarily hung together all the time but they were always in, in set groups it may be three of them might be two of them might be four of them and uh the the one thing that's distinctive to me about amy um and a few others they were in the marching band with my sister my sister was a drum major pretty much from the time I think we were in seventh grade until we got into ninth grade. Correct. About that one, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So let me introduce you guys. How are you doing, Amy? <laughs> doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, um, another, another aspect of Amy is Amy is versatile. Let me, I, I actually had to make a list of this. Um, you all have to excuse me. I, I, I carry a little notebook when I'm on the go. Um, she is a photojournalist, a writer, a news editor, a news producer, a talent recruiter, an outreach specialist with animals. Basically, she is everything under the sun. <laughs> the, next th the, next thing, the next thing you, you know, she's going to produce her own brand of Sunny Delight or something. I <laughs> And my main okay. resume, huh? what'd you say? I was like, my resume is a hot mess. <laughs> you, you've got a lot of talents. Um, and, and another thing that's very captivating about Amy is that Amy takes pictures and Amy puts captions out there. Um, an internal struggle that we all deal with is mental health. It's something that people try, people treat as taboo. Like, oh, somebody should feel a certain way and we shouldn't do anything about it. Um, or when people are having high times, let's ride the wave with them. But when they hit those low tides and they hit the beach, let's kind of cast them to the side. But one unique thing she does is she takes pictures of her, her husband, of her cat, and the nature uh, that she's around. And um, she's a transplant uh, to North Carolina, South Carolina, correct? Uh, I'm in North Carolina now. I went from Virginia to North Carolina to South Carolina to Tennessee, back to North Carolina. <laughs> right. So you're transplanted. So basically, um, I'm a football follower. So basically, you just went down, went to the SEC for a little while, then came back to the ACC. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that's how that works out. So, um, so Amy, here, here goes my first question. And everything I do on here, we do it organic. Uh, I would like to ask you, when did you decide to start inspiring people? Like what age? When did I start wanting to? Oh, that's a good question. That's a hard question to answer. Um, I mean, I really don't. I, I felt like I may have started feeling that in high school, especially with like drama class um, and just interacting with 
Um, I was not good at drama, by the way. That's one talent <laughs> I don't have. <laughs> I was pretty terrible. Uh, I think uh, one play, I was a stagehand. Um, and I don't know if you remember Miss Wilson. Um, yes, I do. This really, <laughs> she made me wear this really cool um, jumpsuit with hands all over it because I was a stagehand. So... <laughs> Um, but I, I think just from that and marching band and, um, but I, honestly, I think I really started having an, it, it, wanting to influence or inspire people in college. Cause that's when I got involved in the, um, school newspaper, uh, especially at Randy Mack, which is now Randolph college because they went co-ed. Okay. And, um, so, um, we had to write some difficult stories in that situation for the student newspaper and then I also started freelancing with um, a local newspaper called the Lynchburg Ledger so that's when the first time I I got in print and I kind of got addicted because I learned very quickly like you know because this is why you have this podcast everybody has a story I don't care who you are someone has a story right and I was like I want to tell those stories um so and I was fortunate enough after college I I got to continue doing that so um, there's just so much power in writing. And um, I also did my own photography. I really wanted to be a newspaper photographer, but by the Ooh. time I, yeah, by the time I got out of college, that really, it was harder to get those positions and you really had to be able to do both because um, you had to write and take your own photos because budgets were getting cut, so. Okay, so, 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 as, a young, so as a young lady, when did you aspire to become a photojournalist and all these titles that you have, what did you, did something happen when you were six, seven, eight, nine, five? No, um, it was actually in high school. It started off with, I had a um, teacher, Mr. Ruiz. Her um, he, yeah, he, he always complimented my writing and I, I was like, well, maybe I am good at this. And then after 9-11 happened, um, I, I became more aware of the news and I just had this, this feeling that that's something I wanted to be a part of. Um, and then, then I started seeing the journalists out in the field. Um, specifically, I don't know if you remember Daniel Pearl and what happened to him. Yes. Um, he was a reporter that died in the field and that affected me. Like it really impacted me. And I was like, no, I, I this is, I want to be a journalist. Like I, I read some of his stories after he had passed and I was just like, I, I want to be this. So I, um, took a few classes, like the literary um, magazine class. I think we were in that class together, possibly. Miss Riley? Yes, Miss Riley, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, because I, so, I, I have a story that we'll talk about another time. I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, we um, took the literary art uh, class where we did the magazine and pe gathered people's writings. And I really enjoyed that too, um, because then you started seeing different sides of people when you, they would submit po poetry or stories and like you would have like a, this cheerleader you always saw that you, you would never really talk to because she's really popular and then she wrote this beautiful story or piece and it's like you see a different part of that person this is another reason I'm attracted to writing I think it's more intimate so and I believe with writing also that writing shows the substance of someone because I've had some creative narratives that I've written about that sometimes got rejected mm -hmm. and you know they've they've become a myth and a legend in their own in our in our society um yeah <laughs> and, and I know the impact of that but like you said it was like the diversity and one thing I want to touch on that we didn't talk about we come from um Rustburg mm -hmm. Rustburg is very diverse 
because I come from the Calorie Mountain side of things, which I didn't know yeah. growing up that I'm from the middle class, suburbia. Mm-hmm. We had a trailer park. We didn't really have any hoods anywhere. I mean, some kids from Campbell Avenue and Lynchburg came to school there, but outside of that, like, and then we had an upper class, which was varied, Concord, different places. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we grew up with the greatest diversity you could have. Because, because, mm-hmm. I really say, and I and I followed on like when I went to to West Virginia, because West Virginia is very similar to that. You go high, low in classes, you know, based on the economy. But we were in school. There were set groups of people. You had your crew. Your crew mm-hmm. always called those the artistic crew. You guys were <laughs> over here at this table. You had your popular kids and your jocks over here. And then you had those people that were in the middle. They were like, oh, I could go to this person if I need a favor from that person to know this about whoever. So transfer of information. And, um, you know, as we got older, um, the the thing that that really got me is like I started watching, I think I always base it back to MySpace. MySpace started us in a certain area where we were starting to be trained to, hey, let Mm -hmm. me watch what someone else is doing. Then Facebook, because I'm one of the early adapters, because we all went to college at some point, um, one of the early adopters of Facebook. So that was like, I'm going to communicate. I'm going to reach out to people. So I haven't seen you since high school, graduation. Okay. You graduated from there. And we've kept in touch periodically. Not very much, but here and there, a like on this, a like on that. Tragedy happens. Something good happens. You know, everybody's brought about. But it's been your pictures. Your pictures mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, but I want to tie into Instagram because Instagram is my favorite that. And I think because, uh, like I said, I have to format my content a certain way because of my job. Um, I use Snapchat for the more adult themed stuff, jokes and different things like that. But Instagram, you kind of can do two things, two ways there. You can have your photos and you can catch an audience more intimate than Facebook. To me, Facebook is like shopping at Walmart. Everybody's there. On your Instagram, it's about like shopping at a Target for you. And for me, we have a, a store called Meyer, which is sort of like Target and Walmart together, but it's Ohio, Michigan, stuff like that. It's not that you put a select group there, but it's a certain group that sees these things. But you're the type of person that you'll put the picture, Facebook and there, so people mm-hmm. know. But it's your Instagram where you're able to leave that caption. Um, uh, you took a picture not too long ago um, – and you were trying to find peace that day. Set headphones mm-hmm. on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and, I, and I'm telling you, like, I pay attention to things. So, I didn't have me a set of headphones. So I went to Five Below, got me a set of headphones. I don't know where they are right now. I was going to show them to you. Um, and uh, sorry, uh, anybody listening, we're doing it on Zoom. So, anyway, so I went and got me some. So I could find some peace. I was like, wow, you know, that's influence. So, mm-hmm. my, my next question to you is like, these photos. Now, not every photo you shoot is with a professional camera. Some of it's shot with, I believe, was it an iPhone you told me one time? Yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and mind you, I'm not a photographer at all, but I'm one of those guys that I, I live by my phone. That's how I make my money. So I will go buy a $1,000 phone with three cameras or two cameras, and I will learn the right lighting and different things just to take a picture of a waterfall so I can have <laughs> something to match up halfway to what you're doing. Because I don't consider me a contemporary to you, but you a contemporary to me. Mm-hmm. of your work so how do you start with these pictures what is your thought process 
it's my thought process there really isn't one that's the funny thing because I mean everywhere I go my husband hates taking walks with me because I stop every five minutes to take pictures like everything I can everything I see there's something there you know if that makes any sense um I just especially out in nature um and you've seen a lot of my um macro photography I love taking pictures of spiders and bugs and tiny flowers caught close up and I know a lot of people probably don't have interest in that, but I want them to be because that's, that's our world. I mean, it's a world we're not really paying attention to. And we're stuck in this world with so much noise, especially this year. I mean, with everything that's happening, nonstop news, nonstop, just insanity. Um, I want people to stop and pay attention to the little things um, because that's what's important. Um, So I think that's also part of my process. What is something that I can show people that they don't see every day Um, or something that's like right there and they just don't pay attention to it. Um, so that that's one thing that influences me when I'm out and about um, taking pictures and just, I, I want, if I can teach people something, that would be great. Um, like recently I was out in the bog garden here in Greensboro, which if you ever get a chance to go, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm and they have yeah, it's really cool. They, um, I was walking through and I didn't, eat, I looked up and there were these purple and teal and blue colored berries. And I'm like, this looks like something from like Wizard of Oz. I've never seen this before. And I took a picture and I researched it and it, it turned out to be China berry, which is a, a vasive species from Asia, but I had no idea. And it was really cool. <laughs> and I, it's just also like colors that you don't really see in nature. So I was like, so excited about these berries, you know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, I think I just like to take pictures of things that people don't see every day. Um, and occasionally yeah, I do the selfie, you know, but yeah, it's my face. You know? <laughs> yeah, but, the, but the selfies, let's go into that real quick. You do these selfies and they're black and white and, um, I want to. I have to. I have to uh, make you make you picturesque for people. You have this natural curly hair, so sometimes mm-hmm. you do something different with it. You might just add water to it. I don't know. You might have a, a special mousse. You might just flop your hair around and it comes out. But you take this one picture, and I don't know if it's mm-hmm. one. It could be fifty. You take it, then you just find the right one. <laughs> exactly. Right. So you you pick the right one, and then like I said, it's those captions you make. It's mm-hmm. a little thing to make people think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that that like that's what's amazing. And also, um, if you don't mind exp- explaining to people, you have a few hurdles when it goes to taking these pictures, correct? A few hurdles, like in, like is it maybe an anxiety thing or anything like that? I, yeah, yeah, definitely. So sometimes I take pictures to make myself feel better because I don't have the best confidence. I never, and a lot of women don't, um, which is a shame. I think almost every. Uh, every woman I see, I'm like, you're beautiful. Why don't you see it? I don't see it in myself. So it's crazy. Um, I think that's just a wonderful part of today's society um, that we can't see our own beauty. And sometimes when I take a picture, I feel like I have more control um, of the situation and to show people who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make Um, sense. But yeah, and I mean, and I do sometimes if I'm having a rough day, I'll take a rough picture and share it um, because I do have anxiety and depression, which is very common. I think that's becoming more common um, in our generation than ever. Um, and I, sometimes I wonder if social media comes into play. Uh, a lot of the pressures that we face at work um, daily, 
um, and just life in general. And I know this year in particular has been very difficult for a lot of people right, just with right. everything happening. And so um, I, sometimes I don't mind, sometimes I, I get anxious just, um, you know, posting those things, but sometimes I feel like it's necessary. So people know they're not alone. Like you're not the only person feeling this way. So. I mean, you're Wonder Woman. Like, it takes a lot of power because, like I said, you know, you you deal with you deal with tons of people like I do. So you see so many facets of things, and I I say I see 112 shades of anxiety. I see that so much mm-hmm. with what I do because I have people that I have to move into leadership while they blah. But even doing this interview right now, like you're just right there with it, you know. And um, my my thing is is that. Uh, like just with everything that you do with the photos and stuff like that. Like I know it's been some times like I had a little incident happen last year. You posted a few pictures and I didn't mention it to you or ever say anything out of the way to you. Like they kind of touched me because I wasn't necessarily, I'm a very chipper person and I have one of those high self-esteems. I got that when I was like, three. so um, I really got taken down probably about a hundred levels, but it was a few pictures and I want to say it was four or five. Because they were back to back to back. Don't go back through your Instagram and look, but they were back to back. I was like, man, this is going to make me stay positive. I've got to do more for more people in the world. I can't just stop for myself. So I always wanted to thank you for that. Because like I said, we talked earlier <laughs> off the script that you never know what kind of impact you have on somebody until someone really tells you. And um, yeah. that that's was awesome. one of, that's one of those things like, so I, I got to ask you this, and I'm probably asking this question in vain. When did you decide to start your social media campaign um, to help people with anxiety and depression? I think that was really when I was living in Aiken. Um, uh, When I was fully into the journalism world and I was really facing a lot of anxiety then because that honestly, that career is tough for people with anxiety. It is, it's, it's tough. You're dealing with a lot of personalities and, sometimes handling some really hard news. Um, So, and I I realized in myself that, yes, I I had a problem when I went to the doctor and that's when I got my, you know, official diagnosis. I, I, you know, I always had the anxiety. I had that since college, but the the depression really hit around 2014. And um, I was really starting to, to struggle. And I almost felt necessary to document it. I know that sounds really weird because it is very personal. Um, but also I know there was such a stigma around it. Um, and actually feeling these things all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like, it really, it's not just, Oh, I'm, I feel sad and you know it's it, for a day or two it's I feel sad all the time I'm exhausted I mean it, it's mentally and physically taxing and you know trying to work and be a you know do everyday things just gets to be too much sometimes and um it kind of helped me to kind of share that because then other people come out of the woodwork and be like man I've, I've had that too or I suffer from depression and we could have that open conversation um and just really just talk those things out because you don't, it's good to know you're not alone. And I think that's a positive part of social media where you can almost meet anybody going through something at least similar that you're going through and you might need some guidance or at least somebody just to talk it out with. Okay. And and the way that I feel about what you said, your release is a release for someone else. And Mm -hmm. something I took from you too, because like I said, it's kind of like I'm a fan, as we say, 
in my community, you're a, I'm a fanboy. Like it's some things like that. Um, the, the type of friendships that I developed with people, the same ones that I had with them when we were eight or nine. Um, I personally mm-hmm. actually, and I'm not doing this, like you said, I'm taking a lot from you. I'm not doing this for the period, but I will say this. I personally go out of my way and check up on people. Certain people I can, I notice, like, you know how, I don't know if you have a sense for it, but I have a sense, I feel, I can sometimes just tell them, like, man, out of these thousand people on my page, for some reason, I'm messaging this person just to check on them. Mm-hmm. And yep. I actually do, like, like, my normal circle, and I usually grab two or three people outside of it if I can. I will call someone. I will text someone from old school. Well, I'll try to call them. And I'll try to see if they're all right. Because, like, this whole thing about mental health thing, and I won't make it the whole topic of the podcast, but the, the people not checking up on other people about their mental health, you know, we've lost classmates to suicide. Yeah. I lost a dear friend of mine. We won't mention the name because out of respect for family. But I lost a yeah. new friend of mine that I never thought I would lose. And you knew him too. And nobody knew what was going on. And then the next day he's gone. Yeah. And like ever since then, I've tried to make it a point to just check up on people, check up on them. And I know the harsh reality is that, you know, when we do these things, it's hard to have someone check up on us because we're so used to doing it for others. Um, yeah. How do you do that? How do you handle that part? Because that, that's what I need to know. How do you handle that part? How do you let people in to actually check on you when you're checking on everybody else? I'm really bad about it. <laughs> I will I will check on people and talk to people all day long. But if someone checks on me, I'm like, I'm fine. Um, and that is, that's, that's a typical sign of um, depression is, you know, you don't want to be a burden. Um, and I get a lot of joy out of making other people happy. Um, so I would much rather put my energies into talking to other people and helping them. And, um, I'm like, Hey, I got a counselor for that. You know, <laughs> I, try to, yeah. that's what I try to tell people, I just, I try, I mean, there's a few people that I'll, I'll, I'll talk to, um, or lean on a little bit. Cause I mean, that's what friends do, but, um, but yeah, I try not to, um, I, I mean, I will admit like in college, man, I was like emoting all the time on Facebook and I kind of <laughs> calmed that down, you know, that's why I try to make it more artistic, you know, yeah. you know vague posting, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, I've definitely toned that down over the years. And I think that comes with age because you're like, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> but um, because then you get a bunch of messages and you're like, I don't want to answer all these. So, it's right. just, you know, but um and I think that might be why I really did turn more into putting my emotion more into my photography. Okay. Because like, I, do this a, thing. I do this weird thing because when I'm on social media, I'm across everything. I'm even on Tumblr. Sometimes I look at stuff. I don't post anything, but um, yeah, I'm pixel art. I will find pixel mm-hmm. art I'm going through something and I don't want to share it with anyone. I mean, cause I actually want to share it with, I have a wonderful girlfriend, Stacy, and I know you share things with Chris. I was hoping mm-hmm. to hear that, that Chris is the one you run to most of the time. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. He's probably, he probably knows me better than anybody on this planet because he's <laughs> been there for me through everything. <laughs> so. And that's everything that people don't understand. Um, and the one thing that I will say that I've taken from you two, like I said, I don't know you all from a can of paint, but I kind of see what you guys do. I live mm-hmm. a very private life. But mm-hmm. I exposed certain things. You guys did something at a car wash. <laughs> and yeah. that's hilarious. That was hilarious. That was, that was, that was like, I like how you do it because 
for years, I exposed all my life, everywhere I went to eat, every place I went to. You can look at JR. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, this guy's out there everywhere. He's in. I was in every city in Ohio that meant something or wherever. Yeah. And then one day, like I said, tragedy struck and I just closed off the world. And I'm getting better about, I post certain things and different things, but like I said, Snapchat is where I throw most of the funny stuff. Because at heart, I'm a comedian. Um, or I, I say yeah. entertaining. Um, so um, the one thing that I want to know is like, when you uh, finish these photos and you're done with everything and you know you you put the laptop down on the tablet or iPad or whatever products you are, because I don't know if you're Apple or Android, it's not my business. Um, hopefully you're Apple. Um, that's just a side jab. I throw it to everybody. But when you're done at the end of the day and it's um, 8.35 in the evening, you've closed the laptop or whatever, every electronic goes down. What's your thought after that? What's your thought after initially doing everything that you're done, supposed to be for the day in your head? All that mental anguish, frustration, the good highs and lows. What is the first thought that comes to your head, you know, when your day's about to end? Lately, it's just been this sense of safety. You know, everything's done. And for a few hours, I can kind of be untouchable. I've been trying really hard to not get on my phone and, you know, ignore the news and, you know, just spend time with my husband, you know, do some artsy craft or something. Um, But it's just, it's a sense of relief and safety um, that I'm home. I'm done. I I really try to not think about work or anything until the next day, which is something new for me. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm just thinking like there's a sigh of relief, but I'm also thinking, well, what am I going to do next? Cause I also, I don't really like to just sit around. So I have so many unfinished crafts. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so This is what I want to ask you. Is there a memoir or something that you're working on? No, actually, I see. It's so funny when you ask me because I was like, I don't think I'm that interesting. So I've never like thought about writing about my life. Um, A because, like I said, I didn't think I was that interesting, and also the journalist in me, I'm like, what if I don't remember something correctly? (laughs) Well, then it becomes fiction, right? (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) because everybody's (laughs) memory is so you know every everybody's memory can be so, you know, distorted. It depends on the, you know, the experience. I, I do not have a good of memory like you do. Wow. <laughs> so. it's, a, it's a burden <laughs> because I carry so many people's secrets. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, outside of um, this, with your journalism, because uh, I always like to let people plug things. Where can people find your journalism right now? If someone wants to read about Amy Banton, a writer. All right. Well, um, I mean, I, I was a writer for the Aiken Standard for years. Um, some of my stuff is still on there. And um, I write for the Greensboro paper now as a freelancer because um, I've, I've moved to a, to a marketing firm. So I freelance for the Greensboro paper. Um, so you can find some of my stuff on there. Um, I don't, I, it's crazy because I don't have a website. Everything Nobody has a website. Media. Nobody has one. <laughs> have websites now like is that a thing it was websites (laughs) like 15 years ago yeah (laughs) but I mean I have have, if you like my pictures you know I might add you on Instagram kind of you know iffy about strangers I'm trying to get over that but (laughs) can I ask you you to do something for the world though 
just, just some, yeah. I always ask people just some some off the wall things. Have you ever thought about the pictures that you truly publicly like? Mm-hmm. Would there ever be Amy's World or Dear Amy on a second Instagram account, maybe a business account? That's a good idea. See, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I could start. Uh, that would be a good idea. Kind of start my own like side Instagram. Right. Just so that there's pictures out there and you can pull the world and pull the world at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Here's an interesting thing that we do in West Virginia in commonplace. And this is something I throw at everyone. Um, and this is the hard curveball. Not a sports okay. game, baseball, but here it is. All right. I asked someone, I asked someone one time to tell me about a talent that they had or something about them that no one knows. That's the thing that gets my show the ratings. So I had one guy tell me that he can, listen, he can complete an Arubis cube in 30 seconds. Um, I went to New York. I will have to send you the video. Give me a day or so. I'll get it. Or maybe if I find it on Instagram, I'll just send it. I, can, I know I can find it on Instagram. I'll send it to you. This guy can complete it. He's, he's the smartest man on earth. I mean, I don't know what kind of brain function it takes to do that, but I consider him the smartest man on earth. Might not be good at anything else in life. So, what are you going to tell us? What am I going to tell you guys? Oh my gosh. Like, this seems like, because I don't have any secrets or anything. Like, I I could tell you the elbow thing, but that wasn't our yearbook. So, everybody knows that. I I, I convinced myself that I could lick my own elbow when they said it was impossible. I really couldn't. So actually, I just I just told you I lied in our yearbook. I can't lick my my own elbow. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that that secret exposed. That's your headline. Because <laughs> right. I, I, I'm glad that you didn't come up with anything wild. Because like I don't ever tell mine, but I'll tell one because I'm familiar with you and comfortable. And I, I hate beats. The the, the beat. I what you hate beats. Beats. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I can't stand them. Um, weird thing with me is like I'm very technical to a degree about everything. I'm not OCD about anything, like keeping anything, whatever. But I'm very technical. So I will break down vegetables by root vegetables, this, this, and that. So rhubarb, parsnips, potato, blah, 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 blah. And yeah. then just that make my list. That's just the one weird thing about me that a lot of people that no one knew until now. Unless you're in a really <laughs> tight, tight circle. Um, <laughs> So going forward in life, you know, you have the obstacles of COVID-19 and everything else. What is the next step for your journalism? Um, I'm going to continue freelancing because um, I don't think I'll ever go back to it full time. Absolutely. I love it. But just the current climate, um, I just I would rather just continue freelancing. And when I freelance, I um, focus on community pieces and try to find stories like what you're doing, um, people that I find interesting. Um, like my last story that I did was on um, this elder, this older couple that walks the bog garden almost every day and everybody knows them. They're like a staple of that garden and they're so knowledgeable and it was, ended up just being a really cool story. So I'm just going to keep looking for stories like that. Um, and I really, once things get better. Um, I found out that we used to have a publication here in Randolph County and um, it doesn't exist anymore. So I want to see if there's any way I can do something in this community to kind of highlight the people who live here. Um, I've always liked the, the 
social media, um, what is it called? People of New York, where okay. they would do, they, that, that, that is such an inspiring page. You know, you take a picture of beautiful, a photo of this person, this profile image, and you write their story. Um, and it's really in their words. And that's something I would love to do something similar. Um, I don't want to copy it. Don't want to copy it because that's their thing. But I figure out a way to just keep getting people's stories out there. Because like, like I said, every single person on this earth has a story. They have something to share that's interesting that somebody would read and be like, that's really cool. So. Yeah, and, I, and I get it. It's like getting someone else's personal experience out there. You know, and that's an amazing, amazing thing about uh, with journalism. And um, I see your new campaign is community journalism. Mm-hmm. And you spoke about that. So that'll be yeah. something um, that I'll push hard across all these areas that I end up in, you know, to, to people to, uh, you know, go to your local newspaper group, actually go buy it, you know. Yeah. It, it's fun and all um, to read things online, but it's nice to have that physical paper. And not just exactly. Sunday. Get the, the newspaper on Wednesday. I don't exactly. know about Tuesday. Tuesday's a little thin sometimes, but <laughs> I don't know what it is about a Tuesday. I and mean, you're a journalist, so you may not agree with me on this, but I can. I used to get the paper every single day. Mm-hmm. But on Tuesday, that paper was thin. I don't know that we don't have enough news for Monday to go to Tuesday, but everything erupts mm-hmm. Monday, then Tuesday disappears, Wednesday, Thursday. And just in my opinion, um, <laughs> and, and, and um, one thing that I that I like to do is uh, I like you to, to to give a narrative on this that I'm about to pass along to you. There's a young lady, there's a young man in a rural town that wants to or, or wants to or aspires to be a journalist. They want to get their voice heard. What is something that a teenager can do today? What's something that even a we'll say a five-year-old because you know three-year-olds are advanced now too so <laughs> um, what could they do to get started what can they do to get started um they just need to start they just need to pick up a pen and start writing um really uh, I mean I started writing just in journals just journaling and writing 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 I mean I would spend hours doing writing like poetry you know I mean it wasn't great but I mean it was it it was something to just get my emotions out, my feelings, um, and also help me develop uh, my skills. Um, and once you get into to high school, look at starting a publication at your high school. It could be a literary magazine. It could be something like uh, like we did, where you collect um, poetry or stories from your fellow classmates, or um, start a school newspaper. Um, or if there's already one established, get involved. And um, just a, a blog if you start a blog online that's a good way to start getting a following and um just uh and also reading other people's work um depending on what kind of writer you want to be like if you want to be in the news definitely read the newspaper read magazines um because there's a very specific style for everything so okay yeah that, that was very insightful so you right there have saved a generation <laughs> but I hope so. I want. I want to see. I want to see good journalism continue. So if anybody is wanting to be a journalist, please, you know, look into it. We we've, we've got to keep. We've got to keep a strong, um, strong group of people keeping our communities honest. So right, because like when I'm 50 years from now, and um, hopefully I live that long, or even just give me 40, 
and I'm almost on my way to a nursing home. I still want to be able to tell people a story that newspapers still exist. I don't want to have a tablet and show them what a newspaper used to look like, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. And so, so much heart goes into that paper. I'm telling you, <laughs> it does. <laughs> and um, one last topic to talk about, because I thank you for your time also, once again. Um, criticism. Yeah, of course. Thanks Crit- for having me. Criticism. <laughs> How do you, how did you yes. deal with criticism? Because nobody wants to talk about this. Everybody that does this, uh, I, I've got many podcasts where I'm talking to people about things. And when I go to, to criticism, they'll, they'll get me to edit out what they say, but they'll tell me. But you allow me to keep your your, your remarks, correct? Oh, no, I. this is honestly going to be my favorite topic. <laughs> this might be a first for you. And especially in uh, journalism. Um, so mistakes happen. <laughs> And boy, have I made mistakes. Um, so when I, I was a new, I was a reporter for the Aiken Standard in Aiken, South Carolina for five, six years. And um, there were a couple of times that, you know, it was late at night and I made mistakes. Like one time um, I, I was writing an election story very late at night instead of ballots. I wrote ballet. It didn't uh-huh. <laughs> so, so the residents of Aiken County cast, um, you know, 140,000 ballets. It was terrible. Um, and I once mixed um, Heron the fish and Heron the bird up. So, wow. yeah, that was embarrassing. But I remember one time I um, wrote a story about a woman that got bit by a rattlesnake um, or some kind of venomous snake. It was venomous, but I used the word mm-hmm. poisonous. So, and I got a very snarky email from someone who was like, did this snake like slither up to somebody and hand them a vial of poison? Cause that's what, that would make it poisonous. Venomous means, you know, you actually, you know, yeah. And at first I was like kind of upset, but then I was like, okay, actually it's kind of funny. Um, I, when I get criticism, I, sometimes I take it hard. Uh, sometimes I, I don't get mad at the person. I just beat myself up terribly. I've been working on that for years. Drove my editor crazy whenever I made a mistake. I was like, oh gosh, you know. But, um, but yeah, I, I've learned over time that criticism is a good thing because we all have, as long as it's done respectfully. You know, if somebody's like tearing you down, you don't need that. But if somebody's offering constructive criticism, that's only going to help you make, make you better. So um, I personally don't mind it. I would rather have the constructive criticism with my writing, even my photography. Photography, I might take a little bit more personally because I've been doing it for so long. But I, again, I would much rather hear um, where I could strengthen my talents. I mean, I, I remember I took, I took a picture of Chris one time and this photographer I respect so much um, that I worked with at WSET had pointed out like, whoa, that's way overblown, like with the light and all. And um, so I, I learned how to better work with light. I mean, okay. so I, I I gained something from that. I mean, I can't get mad at that. So, but you follow so the yeah. same thing that I that I um, spoke with another person about criticism with merit. I will take all day long. Yeah, that's basically what she said. But criticism that just someone that I can find some flaw in their criticism, I will kind of just put it inside. I'll be like, hey, uh, this guy or this lady. Just whatever. So yeah. Uh, so I'm glad. Like you're the first person that I've actually talked to that agrees that that criticism is good because a lot of people say that it breaks them down and tears them down. And I've always said that you know I've gotten more no's in life than I got a yes. I've yeah. got I've gotten more uh, 
you know, negative feedback than positive. And then when I get the positive, it keeps rolling in. But you need that negative to keep you grounded sometimes. Like some guy told me, he said, I put your your podcast in my ears and it's really loud. I need you to fix that (laughs) mic, you know. And me having no audio video training or anything beyond me carrying a selfie stick with my iPhone in. (laughs) I don't care about that stuff. I throw it in GarageBand and fix it up, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. so I got a mic, little $22 Samson mic. And yes, I am plugging Samson mics. Um, <laughs> not saying if they're a sponsor or not yet, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I got that. I learned a little bit more about this whole podcasting thing. Because my first few episodes are very amateurs. Not this, but before. And this right here, I do it really raw and uncut. I edit, the, you know, to a degree, we get little sound and stuff. But I try to keep this one kind of raw because... I have a lot of local support from the states. Mm-hmm. I have 17 different home states now because I travel places and I'm there for a period of time. North Carolina is not going to be one, but, you uh-huh. know. Well, yeah. I, I will say this. I love North Carolina. But when, yeah. it, but when it rains, <laughs> the people here, their cars end up on the side of the road. And I'm from an area now I consider myself a West Virginian. Like I've been there long enough that mm-hmm. I can drive on a road backwards that, that there's barely any pavement on. I can ride on a ride and drive on the side of a cliff in ice and snow, any kind of inclement weather. But for some reason here, not even an inch of rain. And you know what I'm talking about? You see, I do. Turn back. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's it's yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so um, the last thing here, is there anybody in your life that you would love to give a shout out to? Anyone in my life that I would love to give a shout out to? Yeah, just someone, yeah. you know, people that built ship a little bit. You know, always, always, uh, I'm a nerd, so I reference things to Pokemon, you know. You know, yeah. well, Pokemon's in the world. We had a trainer to a degree, <laughs> you know. <sighs> see I, I, I would love to give a shout out to to my husband because he's awesome like dude's been he's been with me for we've been together for almost 16 years now wow like it's a long time yeah he really knows me and he supports every crazy antic that i do dude has been great because i ain't perfect well, nobody's perfect but you know um it's just uh he he's he's awesome like i i found we we met each other when I, we weren't even really looking for a relationship so it worked out pretty cool so just a <laughs> shout out to him because i have a lot of friends too and if i mention one another might be like hey you cut me out well, <laughs> so, watch this like, i love all my friends too guys here you can do this one um <laughs> today i'm gonna just name your gang the amy gang you know you and all you and the, amy amy gang. Gang, the whole amy gang uh, there's a crystal. There's a there's two crystals with the same name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's two. I know. Well, the one, the one, Kristen, one Kristen Smith is my cousin. She's okay. uh, we're actually related, um, and she's awesome. I actually saw her a couple weeks ago. We, she's like she's like my sister because I mean, we were both only kids until I got step siblings, which right. I consider them my family too. So. Um, yeah, and I still talk to Audrey quite a bit. Right, like, I see that a little bit here. One now. of my closest friends. And then Beverly. Yeah, she's one of my closest friends. And then Crystal. 
because uh, Crystal's out there doing her thing. Things mm -hmm. she and stuff like that. So shout out to Crystal. I call her Walmart Crystal because anytime I came back, I mean, this was years ago. She was working at Walmart. She always smiled and waved. She never spoke a word to me in school. I don't think we've ever spoken. <laughs> but, you know, she's part of your crew or your gang. Um, mm -hmm. But since you didn't want to give him the shout out, I'll give it to you. If anybody gives you any bad time, you tell him like AJR, take it up with him. Um, and he'll just tell you, look in the mirror. You're a friend. Yeah. So once again, I want to thank you for being on West Virginia Commonplace. Thanks for having me. This is awesome.